did things a little bit out of order. I apologize for that, but uh, I am thankful for all God has done for us, thankful for what he continues to do for us, amen? How many of you love the Lord? Yeah. Amen. That's good. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us, and uh, the, love, uh, the love of God is, is shown all throughout Scripture. And we talk about the love of God, and it's important for us to, to, to know that God loved us. But we need to know why he loved us. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. We don't like to think that way. But the truth is, none of us deserve the love of God. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were undeserving of the love of God. We were undeserving of the love of Christ. But he loved us enough to send us on the cross to die for us. I, I, that, that should make us thankful. It should make us grateful. It should make us worship. It should make us have a desire to live for him. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the love of Christ the, the love of Christ constraineth me. Now, he was talking about his love for Christ. But again, we love him because he first loved us. So he says, the love of Christ constraineth me. And the life, he says, if he, Christ died for all, then we're all dead. And we which live, live for him. We don't live unto ourselves. I'm thankful for that. In our scripture reading, we, we read about a conversation that that Jesus was having with Peter. Now, we know who Peter was. Peter, uh, as we look at Peter's life, especially uh, after, uh, after the Gospels, uh, he was a, one who loved the Lord God with all of his heart, with all the soul. He was one who, before that, said he loved God with all of his heart and soul and mind. Uh, and uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, uh, he believed that he loved the Lord, but there, there were some things that were going to take place, some things that, that, that were going to prepare him for what he was going to do. If, if you remember, Peter was always that guy who was, was quick to act and quick to speak. And, and I believe through time he learned uh, to, 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 to not rely upon his own judgment, but to rely upon the Lord. But we also know what God did with him and how God worked in him. Now we know, uh, as we look at the, this passage of Scripture here in Luke chapter 22, uh, uh, Peter is getting ready to face uh, uh, one of the biggest trials of his life. In fact, all the disciples were about to face the, one of the biggest trials that they would ever face. Uh, uh, this is uh, at the end of Christ's earthly ministry. This is just prior to uh, the, 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 uh, his, Christ's death on the cross. And uh, they, they, they hadn't yet got, they had yet to get to, to Gethsemane, but, but Judas has already gone off and, and, uh, and turned Christ over. They, he's getting ready to lead the, the soldiers and the, uh, the Pharisees to come and, and arrest Christ. And Jesus is having this, that happens earlier on in this, in this, in this chapter. And, and Jesus is dealing with, with, with Peter here, and he's, uh, he, he's getting ready to tell him what's going to happen. In fact, we see that here in verse, go back to verse 25, it says, uh, one second, just prior to this, he tells Peter what's going to happen, and Peter says, no. Now, notice what he says here in, in, in Luke uh, 30, uh, 22, 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, 
Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed to thee that thy faith shall not and shall not fail, shall fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He's saying, something's going to happen, Peter, that, that you've never gone through before, something difficult. And now, we, we know that when uh, what happens when uh, uh, the soldiers arrive, and Judas, Judas kisses Christ on the cheek, uh, uh, he, he, he turns on him, he kisses him on the cheek, and Peter whips out that sword, and he cuts off the ear of Malchus, the priest's servant. Boldness. But when, Peter, or when Jesus heals Peter's uh, Malchus's ear, and, and uh, when he heals his ear, tells Peter, put away the sword, and they arrest Peter, or they arrest Jesus, what happens to Peter and all the rest of the disciples? They run. Peter didn't run quite as far as everybody else. In fact, the Bible says he followed afar off. He and John went, uh, followed, followed. John went a little bit farther than he did. Uh, but, but Peter went down there, and, he, and, and if you remember correctly, uh, uh, Peter's warming his hands by the fire uh, while Jesus is being questioned and persecuted uh, uh, inside. And, and a woman says, didn't you travel with that man? <laughs> no, I don't know who you're talking about. Three times. Now, if you remember, uh, he was told that, 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 uh, that by Jesus that he would deny him three times before the cock crew. Three times he was asked this question. And every time he adamantly, in fact, the last time it says he cursed and said, no, I do not know the man. And it was then the cock crowed. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and their eyes met. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. Then Jesus suffered and died on that cross. This was going to be a difficult time in Peter's life. Uh, uh, he, he, he was about to go through it. And Jesus is warning him about what was going to happen. Now, notice the precaution that we see here. In verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold. He's speaking specifically to Simon. Uh, anytime Jesus used the word Simon when he was referring to Peter, it wasn't a good thing. Ever have something that your parents called you when you were a kid? That when they called you that, you knew you were in trouble? For me, it was Robert Allen Richards. If I got the full treatment, if I, if I got uh, my whole name, I knew it was time to perk up. It, it was time to pay attention. Uh, I could get away if, if I heard, hey, Rob, Robbie, Rob, Robert. Still okay. I knew where the line was in my house. As soon as my mom yelled, Robert Allen Richards, yes, I didn't hear you. It was a lie. But, but I, there was a line. Listen, every, t when, every time that, that, that Jesus, when he was speaking to Peter, called him Simon, he was confronting him about something. And here he, say, he says, Simon, Simon. He says it twice. He goes, I want you to get your attention. Behold, that word behold means to, 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 to pay attention to or, or, or to, to, to listen to. He was I'm about to explain something to you that's extremely important. Because you're going to go through a difficult time. Listen, we all go through difficult times in our life. We all go through trials and temptations. It's, it, it, it happens to every single one of us as children of God. We're going to face trial and, te and temptation. But I want us to, to understand and learn from what Jesus said to Peter here. He says, pay attention. Behold, Peter, or Simon. Notice not just the precaution. Pay attention. He says, notice the person. He says, Satan hath desired to have you. 
Who is this, this Satan? We understand through Scripture who Satan is. Satan is a fallen angel of God. He's the, the prince of the, uh, of the air, the, 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 the ruler of this world. Uh, he's, not, he's not some guy dressed up in a red suit with a pitchfork and a red tail, or a forked tail. Uh, and that's, that's the world's idea of who Satan, Satan is. And once you understand Satan is real, uh, he is not fake. Uh, you may not be able to see him with your eyes, but he is there. The Bible describes him as the strong man. We see him in uh, we see him in First Chronicles chapter two, verse or verse chapter twenty one, verse one, where it says that Satan stood up against David uh, and, and tempted him to number the people. You, you see him in, in Zechariah, where it speaks where uh, speaks of, uh, of of Satan standing before God in Job one uh, chapter chapter one verse six. Uh, Satan stood before God. Listen, Satan is real. He is not a figment of our imagination. He, he is not a, 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 just a, a bad omen or a caricature that we see drawn. Listen, Satan is real. And you know what the Bible describes him as? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is described as the, the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2. Listen, we need to understand that he is real. He's not something just in the back of your mind. The Bible says that, that, that he has control in this world, that this is his dominion. He is real. And too many people walk around, too many Christians walk around thinking that, 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 that the temptations in their lives, that the, the, the things that they're going through, uh, just, just listen, Satan has a desire, if you're a child of God, to discourage you. Satan has a desire to sift you. Satan has a desire to have an effect on your walk, to keep you out of church, to keep you away from God, to, to destroy your home, to destroy your family, to destroy your testimony. Satan doesn't want anything to do with you. He wants to destroy you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the Bible says that, that I am no longer in his dominion or under his kingdom, but I have been translated or changed and placed under the dominion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. But that doesn't mean he's not real. Ephesians, tells, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Listen, we are wrestling. This battle that we're facing is spiritual. And it's, it's an everyday battle that we face. Now, Satan had some plans for Peter. Satan had a desire to, 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 to get a hold of him. And we see, uh, we see his, uh, the, the power. Uh, well, before we look at his plan, I want you to see his, his power. It says, Satan hath desired thee. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It says in verse 2 of chapter 2, Where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, in the children of disobedience. It's talking about the power of Satan and the one who controls us. Look over in chapter 6, verse 12. I already mentioned both of these verses, but let's read it. Chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, look with me at Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Verse 15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he, God Christ, made show of them openly triumph triumphing 
over them in it. Satan has power in this world. But Christ. Satan is, has hidden the truth to most of this world, the Bible tells us in Colossians, that he's hidden their, their blinded their eyes so they don't do not see the truth. But 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 Christ. See, uh, while, while, while Satan has power and freedom to, 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 to do what he wills with those who are under his control, if you are saved today, you are not under his control. That verse that we just read there in Colossians said that he had victory openly over him. Christ, when he died on the cross and rose from the grave, had triumphant victory. Final victory. While Satan is still running around here on this earth and, 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 and tempting and trying and, and, and causing whatever havoc he, he can, he only is allowed to do what God allows him to do. While Satan is powerful, more powerful than you and I, he is not more powerful than God. His power is limited, and we see that in the book of Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. If anybody has faced trials or tribulations, we could say that was Job. Job dealt with more than most of us will ever face. But I want you to see why he did it. Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered, my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewth evil? Then Satan said to the Lord, and then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord. What, is that? what do those verses tell us? While Satan had the power, he only has the power that God allows him to have. He says, Satan says, you've put a hedge about him. You've blessed him. You've increased his substance. You've not let me do anything to him. He's only worshiping you because you've blessed him, is what he's saying. He says, but if you take your hand away from him, you let me, you let, you, you let me touch, his, uh, touch him. If you let, let me destroy his family, uh, you let me destroy his, his career, destroy those things, he won't say, he, he won't, he'll curse you. And what did God say? Do those things. He gave him the power to do those things. Why would God do that? Why would God allow those things? There's a question people ask all the time. Why does good, bad things happen to good people? 
Why does this person have to die? Or why does that person struggle? Listen, it's, it's hard for us. It is impossible for us to understand the goodness of God when we see those things because our minds are finite. Our minds are limited. But I, I don't want to just leave it there. I want you to understand this, that God is good. And you and I cannot necessarily grasp all that God has done in allowing this. Listen, Job didn't know what was going to happen in his life. Job lost lost everything. He lost his, his belongings. He lost his, his children. His wife told him to curse God and die. And listen, in the next chapter, he loses his health. It got hard for Job. But I love the fact that it says that Job did not curse God, that he did not charge God foolishly. He understood that God was God. Now, he asked the question, why, God? Uh, uh, he, he questioned God, but he didn't charge God. In the end, when Job saw God for who he is, he blessed God. When he got a right view of God, and his eyes became off of his problems, but then turned on to his, his friends who had been telling him to, that he was in the wrong, the Bible says he prayed for them, then God turned about. And then God blessed Job. You say, well, that didn't help Job very much. One, it helped Job to know God a whole lot better. And the, 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 as I meet people who have gone through some of the hardest things that I can't imagine, do you know what I find? They have a closer, a, a closer relationship with God and a better understanding of God because of it. You know what I also found as I look at this? Job did not know that I would be reading this how many years later? How many people have been helped and encouraged and strengthened as they read this? Job never saw any of that, but guess what? God did. I don't know what you're going through or what struggle you're facing right now. I don't feel it. I, I, listen, I don't need to get hit with a, a brick to know that that hurts. Uh, there are people here that are, are struggling today, with, whether, it's, uh, whether it's loss of a loved one or, 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 or family issues or, 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 or hit problems with finances. Whatever it is, I, I don't know what you're going through, but God does, and he knows why you're going through it. And he knows how it's going to turn out. He knows how he's going to bless in this. Listen, uh, Jesus is looking at Peter here in, in Luke chapter 22, and he says, Simon, pay attention. Satan hath desired thee. You know what, that, what, what he's saying? Satan has come before God and has requested, God, he has asked God to sift you like wheat. There's going to be a trial in your life. We'd be fools to think that our lives are going to be easy. That there's never going to be a problem. There's never going to be an illness. That we're never going to lose a loved one. We, we, we walk around and we live like, like the problems all belong to somebody else until it happens to us. And then we think, why did this happen? <laughs> I don't understand it. It's just not fair. God already knows. What's more important is what Jesus says next. He says, Satan hath desired. You notice what he says next. To sift thee. He had a purpose. There was a purpose. Now, uh, Satan's purpose was to sift him like wheat. 
Uh, uh, have you ever seen somebody sift something? It's uh, you, you place uh, uh, the wheat. They would place the wheat in these containers, and they would shake them, and they would separate the, the wheat from the chaff, the the, the worthless part uh, uh, with the the, the the good part, the part that you would make into bread or meal or, or use for food. Uh, they, they would be separated. That 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 that, that separate part would would fall away. There was a purpose for God allowing Satan to sift Peter and the other disciples. Peter was not the same person at at the end of this. God used this to change him. Listen, when we go through the trials in your life, I want you to understand God has a purpose for it. And you may not see it. You may not understand it. But I want you to know, trust God. James chapter 1, verse 6, the, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, for the trying of your faith worketh patience. I heard somebody the other day in the Bible say, well, I don't want to ask for patience because God will give it to me. I don't think that's actually a, a good prayer to pray. I understand why we don't want to ask for patience. But the truth is, we always come out on the other side better, stronger. That worthless part of ourselves, the chaff shaken away. God has a purpose for it. Now, sometimes His purpose is to, 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 to bring about patience in our lives, sometimes it's to help us to learn, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's to be a blessing and a, and a testimony to others. And sometimes God allows those things. God allow Satan to tempt us. Look with me at something. A couple of verses. Look at first of all with First Chronicles chapter twenty-one. First Chronicles chapter twenty-one. I'm just going to look at one verse here. We want to look at the same verse or a, the same account in a different place. First Chronicles chapter twenty-one, verse one. Notice it says, "And Satan stood up against Israel, and provoked David to number Israel." This was, uh, if you if you know your Bible, this is this was when uh, David numbered the people, and God judged Israel for their sin. Uh, the an angel God sent. God gave David the choice. He chose God. He chose to allow God to be the one to judge Israel, and an angel came down and and judged Israel. But God had mercy, and and David was able to sacrifice and and and, and bless there. But I want you to go back with me now. Second uh, Samuel twenty four one. Second Samuel. Keep your finger there in in First Chronicles if you haven't if you haven't moved it away. Second Samuel chapter twenty four. Help if I read 2 Samuel, not 1 Samuel. This is the, another account of the same account. Now, I want to read 1 Chronicles chapter, First Chronicles chapter 21-1 again, and then I'm going to go over and read the other one. 1 Chronicles 21 says, And Satan stood up against Israel. Notice Satan stands before, against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now look at 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. And, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he 
moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. One says that Satan stood up against Israel. This one says that God moves David. Not a contradiction. It goes right along the lines with what we read in Job, where Satan came before God. There was a purpose for this. Uh, there was a reason that God allowed this. Uh, the purpose here uh, in this section, the, the Israel had been sitting against God and judgment was going to come and God moved or allowed David to sit in this way so the judgment would come. He went up, he went up uh, and as, as that angel uh, was, the angel was, was killing uh, those, the, those people of Israel there in Jerusalem and, and God and that came to a stop. He went up and he bought a piece of property uh, and on that property uh, he, he made a sacrifice unto God and, and guess what was built upon that property years later? The temple also known as the place where, where, where Christ was transfigured. Listen, I want you to understand, uh, I, I want you to understand, God has a purpose for things in our lives. And we may not understand what he's doing, but I want you to know, he is the one who is at work. And yes, Satan is against us, but God means it for good. We, over the last several weeks here at our church, we have had people get sick. Uh, we've had illness running rampant through our church. We've had families going through difficulties. We, we have, uh, listen, I'm getting ready to preach four funerals this month. Uh, that hasn't happened in I don't know how long. What's going on? God blessed and worked in our revival. We spent time in prayer, and people have grown, and people have sacrificed, and, 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 and Satan is saying, I don't like it. And God is allowing Satan to work in our lives, to sift us like wheat. But God will use that purpose for good, to strengthen us, to make us better. Now, we see the, we've seen the the person, we've seen his power, we've seen the, the purpose, but notice the prescription. And all, this, this is where our hope lies. Back there in Luke chapter 22, verse 32 says this, But I have prayed for thee. Jesus has Peter's attention. He says, Satan desired to sift thee like wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Listen, if there's anybody that can get a hold of the ear of the Father, it's the Son. I've heard some amazing prayers in my life. Honestly, some of the best prayers I've heard have been from children, but I have heard some great prayers. I, I have listened to people pray and been able to, to, to shake the very, the, the very foundation of heaven to, to get a hold of God. I, I, there was a time we went over to Brother Troy and I went to see Arnie. Uh, uh, he was over at the nursing home with, uh, during COVID, time of COVID and, and what they weren't, they weren't allowing him out to come to church. And, and we wanted to be an encouragement to him. We went over and we talked with him and, and, uh, and, and to pray with him. And he says, he says, Pastor, can you do me a favor? He says, can you pray that I can come back to church? I said, of course. So we've already been praying for that. He goes, I want you to pray, pray, pray with me now. I said, okay. So Brother Troy and I, we bowed our heads. We started to pray. And when I was finished, 
on, and he lifted up his hands. And he lifted up his voice. And I, I swear to you, I've never seen or seen or heard somebody get a hold of heaven the way that he did that day. Begging God to work a miracle. Thanking God for what he was going to do. I walked out of that place humbled. And I was the one encouraged. Now as much as Arnie or other men could get a hold of God, Jesus, the very Son of God, prays for you. In John, John chapter 17, Jesus prays for the disciples. We, we, we call the, uh, the, the our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be that we call that the Lord's Prayer. That was the model prayer given to the disciples on how they were to pray. And, and by the way, they asked him to teach them to pray when they heard him, him pray. The, uh, when you see a master doing something, you, you might want to ask the master how to do it. And that's exactly what they did. So Jesus went off and prayed many times. But in John chapter 17, he's praying for the disciples and, and, and asking God to sanctify them and for, by, the, uh, by, by his truth and the word is truth. And, and it goes through the prayer. But then he says, I pray for them that will believe. You know who that's talking about? Us. He was praying for his disciples, but those who had never seen him and would one day believe. But even greater than that, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 tells us that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Chapter 10 tells us uh, in the book of Hebrews that he sat down at the right hand of the Father when uh, that, that final sacrifice was done. And he there now makes intercession for you and I. It's not once in a while. He is interceding for us on a daily basis basis. Listen, Satan is the accuser of men. Jesus Christ is the savior of men. There's one moderator between, uh, mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Christ prays for you. He sees your need. He sees your weakness. And just like Peter, he saw the trial that he was going to go through. He says, I prayed for you, Peter. It blesses my heart when people pray for me. When people let me know, hey, I'm praying for you, Pastor. Hey, I heard you're going through a difficult time. I'm praying for. Hey, I, I know you're 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 preaching this week, or preaching on Sunday. I'm praying for the message. I, I, that that blesses my heart. But you know what really lifts my spirits is to know that regardless of whether or not you pray for me, regardless of whether or not anybody else prays for me, he prays for me. He prays for me. He knows what I'm going through and what I'm going to face. He knows Satan's plans already and how he's going to try to discourage me and the things that are going to try to bring me down. But I want you to know, he prays for me, and he prays for you too. He sees you where you're at today. He sees the struggle. He sees the, 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 the trial and the problem. He sees your weakness. He prays for you. There's nothing better than to know that our Savior the one who prays for us. But when Jesus prays, don't you think he gets his prayers answered? And there have been times when I prayed and my prayers don't get answered. Not at least in the way that I want them prayed or answered. But when Christ prays, his prayers are always answered. Look, look how, what he says there in verse 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. This is what he's praying for, that, that, that you endure that you don't quit, that you don't fall away. Now listen, our salvation is secure in Christ. 
Praise God for that. We, we cannot lose that. Uh, it cannot be taken away from us. Uh, it, we are sealed until the day of redemption. Uh, he has begun a good work in us and will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We are saved, but, but we can fall from the faith. We, we can fall away. We can, we can turn away. He says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, that we endure. But notice what he says, and when thou art converted. When thou art converted. He didn't say if. If and when are two different things. If means it may or may not happen. You, you, this, this might occur or this might occur. I don't really have a control over which one of those things is going to happen, but one of these things will happen. He didn't say if. He said when. When thou art converted. That word converted uh, uh, it means oh, when, 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 when you've made it through, when you've, when you've, as he struggles and has struggled in his faith, uh, when you've returned back to, when, when you've come back. Listen, when you're converted, not if, when you get through this, whatever your trial is, when. One of the things I've noticed in my life is that no matter how difficult things get, there's always another side to it. What I mean by that is I always get to the other side of it. Always. I've had some difficult things happen in my life. Times when I've struggled, times when I've wondered what was, what was going to happen or how it was all going to work out, and every single time, it has. It has. And I can look back, what I found is I can look back and say, look what God did. Look how God worked in this situation or in that situation. I didn't know what he, what he was going to do as I went into it. I certainly didn't know what was going on while I was in the middle of it. But now that I'm through it, I can look back and say, look what God did. And that's where we are many times as Christians. We're, we're either heading into the storm, not knowing how bad the storm's going to be. Or we're in the middle of the storm thinking, this is terrible, I don't want to be here anymore. But eventually, we always come out on the other side. Now the question is, for Peter, or for, 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 for Peter, or for anybody going into it, is we don't know what's going to happen. Peter struggled. Remember what, what, what Peter went through. Uh, yes, he denied Christ. Uh, he, uh, he said, no, I, I don't know the man. And then, and then Christ died on the cross, and the one he had followed, the one he had trusted, the one he had believed, he thought was dead and gone. He didn't believe in the resurrection until he saw Christ. Even though Jesus had told him over and over again, he struggled. But when that struggle turned because it was a when, not an if. When you come through whatever it is that Satan is doing in your life right now, that God has allowed Satan to bring into your life, remember, it's there for a purpose. It is, and it is hard, and I can't imagine, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what it's like. That would be prideful, narcissistic, I don't understand. I'm not in your shoes. But Christ, Christ suffered everything just like we have. He's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities, according to Hebrews. 
prayed for us. He says, when thou hast been converted. The prescription is that he's prayed for us. He is the one that brings us through it. In fact, he already knows what he's doing. The promise is this, when thou art converted, when you get to the other side of the storm. When we know that there's another side of the storm, it kind of helps us a little bit. Sometimes we forget and just think it's just going to be like this forever. And that there was no purpose to it. But when we understand that God is doing something and God is working something in our life, and we know that one day there's going to be an end to it, we can endure a whole lot better. There's a movie that came out years ago, a Christian movie called Facing the Giants. Have you ever seen the movie? I know several of us have. In the movie, there, there is uh, this, they have a, the, the, this high school football coach, and uh, some of you will remember the, the, the part that I'm talking about. And this high school fo- football coach is, 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 is uh, making his players run some, uh, some uh, drills. And uh, one of the drills has uh, the, one of the players on his hands and his feet in a crouched position, and they're to put a player on their back, and they're to, they're to go as far as they can. And they're, they're t- whipped, and they're tired. They don't think they can go anymore. And he gets one of the, uh, of the players, and he has another one uh, uh, on his back, a, a larger kid, and he says, listen, I want you to go until you can't go anymore. And they blindfolded him. They, they, they didn't let him see how far he was going. And he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going because he didn't know where he was at or how far he had gone, and he just kept going until he collapsed. The reason he did that, did that was to show them that sometimes we can do harder things than we think we can. That we give up too easily. We do. God, can I tell you this? God will give you the strength to go farther than you ever think, thought you could, to endure more than you could ever imagine. I look, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs and the testimonies of the, 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 the trials and the persecution those people went through, I cannot imagine. I thank God I was born when I was. And the, the freedom that we have in this country, the, the, the ability that we have to, to worship freely and not not have to worry about being, uh, being drowned or our children drowned before us or, or being placed in the racks and our, 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 our joints being ripped, uh, all while they're saying, just deny Christ. I don't know how they did it. But, you know, actually I do. Because God gave them the grace that they needed to go through it. I don't know what it is you're going through, but know that Christ is praying for you. Know that there is another side to this trial, to this to this. Uh, tribulation that you're going through. Know that there is a purpose. And know that there's a promise. But not only is are there those things, we see the precepts. We see here at the end of verse 33. Sorry, verse 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art con- converted, strengthen thy brethren. He says, when you come out the other side, strengthen your brethren. Who was it that preached at Pentecost? Not the man I would have chosen. I would have picked John, right? The guy who was leaning on the Savior's, on Jesus' chest, the one who followed him all the way into the, the place. Peter stood on the outside, and then he, he turned and denied the Lord. John was right there. John was the one that was at the foot of the cross and, and standing there, and Jesus said, uh, uh, 
son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. He asked John to take care uh, of Mary uh, from that point on. Uh, listen, John, that's who I would have picked. I wouldn't have picked the, the loudmouth guy who got himself in trouble all the time. But Jesus had given him a command. This is when thou art converted, when, when you change, when you come through this, strengthen thy brethren. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says that God is the God of all comfort. Turn over there with me if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 3 through 5. Verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. He says, God is the God of all comfort. The greater your affliction, it goes on to say, the greater the comfort that God gives you. But when you've been comforted, you're to comfort others or strengthen others uh, with the same comfort that you've been comforted with. Your testimony of how God has brought you through something is a blessing to others. It may be difficult. It may be hard to understand. It may be hard to endure. But I want you to understand, God is working in all of it. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that, that he makes all things beautiful in his time. My wife loves this verse. Her testimony of how, of how God saved her, what God has done in her life. Listen, the testimony of others who've gone through difficult things in their past, and that now they can see the beauty of what God did. As, as hard as it was to go through what they went through, God is now able to use that to be a blessing and a help to other people. Satan hath desired... So this was interesting. I didn't know this. I had to, because I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar or a Greek scholar. But the word you there in verse number 31 of Luke chapter 22 says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Now, when I think of you, I think of you. Singular. But this word is actually plural. What Jesus was telling Simon is, Satan hath desired you, as in the disciples, all of you. They all went through something. They all went through this. And they all strengthened one another at the end. Can I say this? Satan hath desired to, to have you, to sift you like wheat. He's doing it today. He has prayed for you. And when you've been converted, when you've come through this, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen one another. Don't quit. Don't let Satan win in this. Now listen, hey, hey, there were some that Satan got a hold of. There's one. We know his name to be Judas. In Luke chapter 22, I believe it's verse 3, it, say, it says that Satan entered into him and he went out to the high priest. 
Satan had desired him too. Now, I don't believe Judas was ever saved, which amazes me, the fact that he walked with Christ for three years. None of the other disciples knew that he was the one. If you remember, Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they didn't say, ha ha, it's Judas, that thief. I knew it. I knew it. I never trusted him from the day he stepped foot in this place. I knew he was the one. No. They all said, is it I, Lord? Is, is it me? Could I be the one, Lord? Is it me? And somehow in there, he said, no, it's the one whom I, I passed the, the sop to. And he took the bread and he dipped it. And they, he gave it to them, and they, God blinded them to it. They didn't realize that it was Judas. But I want you to know something. Satan wanted him too. One of the things that happens many times in, 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 in our lives, in, especially in church, and I've seen this over and over and over again, is when, when tribulation comes or trial comes, there will be some that endure there'll be some that come through the other end. And they do that because they're the children of God and God helps them to endure. And there are some that walk away. Now, I'm not the judge of their heart. I'm not. I can't see their heart. I walked away for, for three years and God chastened and brought me back to the Lord. Brought me back to, to serve and follow, and I praise God for his mercy and grace. But, but in the parable of the, of, the, of the sower, we see this. There was some seed that was cast by the wayside, and Satan, or the birds, came and ate it up. Jesus says that was a picture of Satan. There was some that was cast on thorny ground, and the, the weeds and the thorns grew up, and they choked it out. And it didn't bear fruit. There was some that was on stony ground that never got any root. It says it started to grow, and then the sun came down. And Jesus said that that sun was the trials and the temptations, and it never bore any fruit. There are some that walk away that were never of the faith. They thought they were. Again, I'm not the judge. I, I, I can't tell you. But, but uh, here's, here's what I'm trying to encourage you. Be faithful. Make sure that your, that your salvation is sure. Whatever it is you're going through, trust God. Know that he's in control. Know that, that, that Christ loves you and is, is, is praying for you. And in fact, it goes on to say in Hebrews that he is, is able to succor you uh, or, or succor. I, I love that word. And what, what it means is he is able to run to your aid because he's paying attention. He knows what's going on. He knows whatever you're facing. You might think nobody else knows. We Sometimes we get that in our head. Nobody knows. And there's, just, there's an old song. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrows. Right? We, 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 nobody else knows how I feel. Yes, God does. Nobody knows what, what I'm facing. Nobody knows uh, what, it, what it's like to be me. God's the one that made you. He knows exactly. Many of our teenagers and our kids are killing themselves because they don't think there's any hope. They don't think there's an answer. The 
hope is Christ. He knows you. He knows the, the struggles, the depressions, the, 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 the weaknesses, the, the sin. He, he knows it all, and he loves you anyways. As, your, as his child, he's paying close attention to you. Christ is praying for you. And you have the promise that he will bring you through it. And when he does, strengthen your brethren. That God use it to be a blessing to others. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. God, I pray that you would take your word and that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would have your way. Encourage us, strengthen us, Lord, and uh, Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, I, we need you. I ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.